Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Josh Kirschenbaum. I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week we pick two movies around one theme, one highbrow, one lowbrow, talk about those movies, compare and contrast. This week we're not doing that. Sometimes we do this other thing where we just sort of chat, call it a no-brow. Yep. Because, you know, the show is is called highbrow. I don't know if we have to explain it in depth. Like apologetically explain it in depth every time. But we're doing no-brows this time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just a little casual chat and... uh, yeah, we'll get right into it. Yeah, super casual because I prepared nothing. <laughs> yeah, was, we're off the cuff. At least, at least we've got a few days between this one and the, and the release instead of the, the, the freaking photo finishes we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, topic number one, uh, dramedies, sort of. Yeah. But more, ha- talking about half-hour comedies that are that claim to be sort of like half-dramatic or comedies that are dramatic, but I feel like are kind of becoming... Fully dramatic. Yeah, just half-hour dramas, but refuse to admit it. It's this funny thing because really, like early on in... When dramedies started becoming popular, I was really excited for it. I loved the concept. I was like, oh, it's great. These are these half hour comedies, but they're not like the classic pitch is like, it's, but it's not afraid to be serious when it wants to be. Right. And there's like a handful of shows like that. I think like You're the Worst was kind of one for me. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 Louis feels like it was at the start of that. Louis was that. I mean, Louis was probably is the start of that. Yeah. And then you have, I mean, like Better Things comes out directly out of that. Yeah. And, which uh, is the same production company, right? Yeah. It's Pam Adlon. Mm hmm. Um, and yeah, so like now it's like, but now, everywhere. yeah. So then my complaint is that it was cool when some of the comedies were dramedies, but now it seems like all of the comedies are dramedies and there's right. very few actual comedies left. Right. And it's really just a problem in entertainment in general, which is producers see something being popular and then they all want to have their version of it. And they all basically as a, as a collective all kind of go towards in one direction and forget about everything. Right. And it's especially weird because most dramas, not like half hour dramas are funny. Yes. Like, most Mad most, Men is the funniest show. Like they have jokes. They like I'm not saying they're like they're not like joke machines. They don't you know not three jokes a page, but they have jokes in it. And I feel like we've reached this point where so many of these comedy, you know, these dramedies, they're so stripped down on jokes that they're ba- they are just half hour dramas. Yeah. But the, like refusing to actually take advantage of that genre. Right. And the funny thing is that I also like the idea of a half hour drama. Right. But we still have this there's still this very harsh divide or, or like clear cut divide where half hour is comedy hours drama right and it's thing where we're still in the zone where we're not allowed to call a half hour show a drama we right. have to call it a dramedy right the only exception that i mean i can think of is homecoming uh the amazon show right which is a half hour drama there's a, that was like a drama drama that is like very few jokes yeah there definitely are a couple half hour dramas and you know what I want an hour comedy, and that I mean, ain't never happened. The only two I can think of: Orange is the New Black. Orange is New Black is the big one, which is I, not a comedy. I I would disagree. It's I think often that's funny. I think it is usually. I I would argue that's very much a comedy because, like, scene to scene, it's actually. I think there's more attempts to be funny in that than in say, uh, uh, like Atlanta, or I mean, obviously Atlanta's a weird one because it's, it's it's very surreal by nature. Yeah. Um. Or I mean, or Barry's one we'll get to in a second. Things like that. Um, but I, yeah, I think Orange New Black is, I guess as the seasons goes on, it gets very dramatic. Yeah. Like every episode is mostly just people like talking shit with each other. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I would say that one, especially cause it's earlier on in the kind of process mm-hmm. of everything becoming a dramedy. That one actually is a dramedy to me. I think it would be accurately categorized as that. Yeah. Um, oh, the other one actually weirdly for, you're going to disagree with this, but I Maybe. think Bojack is basically a half hour drama. 
Uh, I would disagree. I would disagree. Just for the sheer number, like that show is so dense with jokes. It's often silly. Yeah, I guess maybe it's also just I don't find BoJack very funny, but I think it's good. Right. See, I'm the opposite. I think like every minute is like a thousand jokes. Like I like will often go back and watch episodes and I like to catch jokes I missed because I was laughing at the previous joke. Uh, see, for like, I think that his show is the like. Like I, th- I even tell you, like even if you think like that, dramatic episodes are like weird, or you don't buy into the whole like sad boy, uh, horse boy. Yeah, uh, it's just so silly and so funny. It's funny because I think it's silly, but I think it often doesn't actually. It doesn't. There's no joke. It's just kind of silly. Oh, hard disagree with that. Like all the jo- like all this, all the like word plays, all the weird puns they like force people to. Do, they spent a whole it's like season. Dad, it's all dad humor. They all they spent a whole season. That's this is an insane take. But like, you're going to get not canceled, but like it, if there's Bojack people here, they're just going to be like, what the fuck? This is like coming out and saying that you think that like all basketball players are secretly made out of soup like that's how like divorced sure. I'll, this I'll, take I'll, is I'll from reality <laughs> I, okay it, it's, not, it's not that it's not making jokes it, maybe it's not that I don't think it's making jokes maybe I you just, just don't like I it I don't think it's funny no the thing is I, okay so <laughs> in the process of me watching BoJack I watched like the first two seasons and I was like I don't like this show I can't watch it yeah, and then you're allowed every, to not like and it and everyone wouldn't shut the fuck up about BoJack for like three years so I was like okay I'm going back so I went through it again and I watched two seasons first two seasons didn't really like it and then season three I finally just flipped a switch in my head. I'm like, oh, this is a drama. I'll watch it in my mind like a drama. And then I liked it. Okay, I mean, like, I, I love that for you. Yeah. Uh, first of all. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's like a crazy... Like, I'm happy you found a place to enjoy BoJack. I think you must know that's a fairly contrary... I don't think there's a lot of people who would like agree with that take. But that's fine. Yeah. I don't have that opinion. And also, even if you're... Like it's definitely a dramedy. Like it's it's, it's definitely jokes. a dramedy. Yes, I would say the needle is pointing more towards drama, and then it's a re- and but then there's kind of like the red herring that it's animated. See, I would say that I think what what throws people is that the dramatic parts are so dramatic, right? Like, but I do think like just in terms, it's like volume. It's like eighty percent of that show is just kind of silly hijinks, and then twenty percent of it's drama. But that twenty percent is like very dramatic. Like yeah, just as dramatic as anything can possibly be. And sure. I think that like. You know, it throws off everyone's like Geiger counters. Yeah, it's like if comedy you, it's like if you have a bowl of soup, but then there's one turn in it. It's just a it's just a bowl of turn. <laughs> <It's just> a, <laughs> I mean, like, it doesn't matter how much soup there is; it's still got a turn in it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's an inexact metaphor, but it's funny. I think it's I think it's a giant bowl of soup with a turn in. <laughs> But Bojack is very good. I, I do. I've actually been meaning to go back to it. I saw some clip um, from like season two that I really liked. They used to watch all the time. I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should go ahead and give it a rewatch. Yeah. I really like season season two. I, like, it's so weird. I forgot because of how different... I mean, all shows grow and a change. But yeah. like, because of how long it took the show to come out, especially how like all the new characters they'd added by like season seven and stuff and like how you know different that became. Like, right. I just kind of forgot like the basic... like. Like season one was like Diane was like writing a book about Bojack. Right. Like that was the entire like frame, not frame, but like that was the setup for the whole season. It's kind of like how you forget that Parks and Rec is about a documentary crew following them. Like it's right. all shot in documentary style, but eventually you forget that it's a document. There is canonically a documentary crew still there. Right. And especially for that, because I feel like weirdly with with Office, they eventually acknowledge it. Yeah. And it kind of makes more sense there. But Parks and Rec, it just becomes like they just sort of decide like, fuck it. This is our format. Yeah. And this is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it was also partly because Parks and Rec was so clearly an kind of an office, office cash in, yeah. like a rip off, and then they got away from that. Oh yeah, I mean, there's the whole. Uh, um, well, same with Modern Family. Modern Family is also a documentary crew, right? Yeah, but they also, I think they never acknowledge. Or I mean, it's the show goes on for so long. They must have made some joke about it at some point. Probably, but uh, I have not seen that much. I've seen like a good amount, but not like 
exhaustive amount of a modern family. I don't think I, I don't show. think I watched like the last five seasons, but there's like 20 seasons. Yeah, so. that means you still watch 10 seasons. Of yeah, television. I think I watched yeah. a lot of it. And I, it's a show I find very funny. Very, very really, really cool. And that's really one of the last like big true comedies. I mean, like weirdly Big Bang Theory, another one. Well, there's still like, network stuff happening. There's like Young Sheldon out there, which yeah. I'm assuming is mostly comedy. I don't know. Yeah, no, they're still good, but I think they're not getting like Big Bang Theory. The ratings were like monstrous. Like, it was huge. Oh yeah, it was a and I think Young Sheldon maybe does not quite. I don't know. I'm not paying that close attention maybe. to ratings these days. But anyway, it's just interesting that we've got these things that are basically dramas. I feel like. Have you watched the new season of Barry yet? Not yet. I need to because I love that show. It's a great show. Yeah. Uh, new season, very very good, and and weirdly Barry, I think is just on the line. It's still. Dropping a million really hilarious jokes. Like mostly Noho Hank is just like Noho Hank is the funniest character. He is on like the, the entity of all the jokes in this whole season, I feel like, right now. Because yeah. everyone's just so sad and dour and like the stakes are so high and it's so dark and there's so many like murder shit going on. But then like Noho Hank is just like Noho Hank. He's yeah. great. He's <laughs> so funny. God but that's really pro- that's probably about as dark as a show can get and still kind of be a comedy. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of a darker one, but... Nothing off the top of my head. No. I mean, you have, like... I've, I know Master of None. I haven't seen much of it, but what I've seen... Every episode that I've seen looked like a straight drama to me. Yeah, it's... Especially later on by season... Well, season three is... is just scenes from marriage. It's maybe. like a yeah. melodrama. It's yeah. really dramatic. Very little comedy. Um, season two is... I mean, there's, like, a basically... Two is the one with the Ital- Italy stuff. Starts in Italy, yeah. With, think, like, the black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, any time a comedy goes black and white, like you have, you have to assume that's getting pretty dramatic. Yeah. And then also, there's a weird thing where Master of None... I think a lot of people rejected that because it's so heightened that the... It took me a little bit to get on board with it, but once I... Again, I had to kind of flip a switch in my head. I'm like, okay, this is, like, a very heightened reality. The dialogue is not natural at all. Mm-hmm. It's like very, it's almost like stagey. Yeah. And, but once you're kind of like, okay, I accept that this is not realistic and then you can, I can get on board with it, but you really have to kind of make that buy. And I think a lot of people are either don't realize, don't realize they have to, or on like unwilling to. Yeah. I mean, that was like, I remember that was very acclaimed, but it was a show I never quite got into. It just was never, never really, you know, clicked with me. Yeah. It's funny. It's a show that online I've seen a lot of people, a lot of praise for it. And I've never met someone who likes it. <laughs> Jess likes it. Oh, okay. she, she was a big fan. I think, I think yeah. I like it a lot. I yeah. think it's a great show. Yeah. I mean, I love that for you. Yeah, I think it. I think it gets it gets dating. It gets how dating works. <laughs> um, any other comedies? Any other comedy? I mean, we don't want to talk about Louis. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and I haven't seen better things. Yeah, I mean, you're I mean the worst. Louis. Louis is like the urtext for, for the modern dramedy. Yeah, it's like we, we're not going to get into it. But if you want to know about the history of like comedy on television, I, I, in my opinion, there's kind of like this point there's like this sea change that happens with louis that changes how comedy has been since then and it's yeah. all these moves towards dramedies come from that especially the kind of comedy of like where like basically where stand-ups go out and there's like this show is like all like it feels like when you used to be a, a stand-up seinfeld was the like the biggest first one i feel like i mean cosby show oh yeah i mean like, i mean although cosby sort of uh, we should not get into that but like <laughs> I mean, other than say that he's like a horrible piece of shit and deserves to be in prison yeah um but like i mean there's always been like this thing of like comedians getting their sitcoms yeah Obviously, Seinfeld probably being like when the biggest. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, everybody loves Raymond. And honestly, I think a lot of comedies are that. I, I think there's a lot that we forget too, because it would just be like, like, like you know, every standup would get like a run at like it's them starring as themselves, but like as just like a family sitcom. Yeah, like back so in the nineties. Lou, and Louis definitely didn't invent that format, right? But it did. It did really popularize this drama, the dramedy move, right? And I feel like that's now what almost all comedians want to do when they get their own shows. Like, there's very few. Yeah. Or maybe I'm not I'm not aware of them, but I feel like there's not a lot of like big like hip stand up comedians who are who when they decide to cash in do 
like a, a, a multicam network sitcom anymore. Yeah. Or even like something that, well, the other thing is I think a lot of most networks and producers, they really want, they're really looking for a comedian who can write it and also star in it. Yeah. And when you do, and people tend to draw on their life for mm-hmm. writing, and often these comedians write about being comedian because that's what they know best. Right. Which makes sense. Like, yeah, no, we don't hate it. Yeah. None, none, all, all it's, 100% on board. It's so all far. a very logical <laughs> progression, but it does lead to a lot of kind of samey shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we may, maybe the dial will swing back in another direction. I'm sure know. it will. You know, I mean, eventually there'll be some comedian will just like, get, I don't know, like, uh, I'm just trying to like McDonald Glover's Nathal to Atlanta will just be like a network sitcom. It'll be hilarious. And everyone will just be like, Oh, right. Comedians can be funny again. And we'll have a thousand th- yeah. think pieces. And we'll be back to normal. Mulaney tried to do that and it failed. Right. But that I was ne- also a bad show. Right. I never saw that. I heard it wasn't great. I um, saw the first episode. It was just, it was so networky. Yeah. I mean, it's, I remember like Whitney was that the Whitney coming show, but that, that, oh, yeah. that also, I think only lasted a couple seasons. Yeah. Uh, although I guess she also had two broke girls, which I think is, has been finale. quite, Oh, is it done? It I think was it's quite, done. It's quite very successful. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, just sort of interesting. Um, maybe we should just see what's on network right now, but I don't, I don't think of a lot of like, yeah, network is that. one of those things where like every time I go to network, I don't, it's not, I, I, re, I rediscover it's not for me. Right. But I should go back again and try. I'll say okay, credit for the, uh, ghosts on CBS. Oh yeah. Very funny. Oh. I've only seen the first like three or four episodes, but it's good. It's just like these people that live in a house with like a bunch of ghosts. Oh, that's fun. Uh, and they're all just like from different eras and they all just kind of like shit talk what's going on. And but like one of the characters can see the ghosts, the other ones can't. You know, so there's like a like a revolutionary war person, there's like a caveman. It's that's like, fun. Yeah, it very, yeah, it's goofy. It's apparently based on the British show, which it's supposed to like be everything. Good. Yeah, you know. Yeah. The Brits, um, they're funny, they're dry. Well, what we do in, that reminds me, what we do in the shadows is a pretty good is it like funny funny it's very funny oh great it's it's just it is a comedy that's great there's no dramatic i mean there's obviously all good comedy has some dramatic elements but it is not a dramedy okay well that's good yeah yeah they like that yeah fx man great stuff (laughs) fx has been killing it yeah it's just this is going to sound like i'm just sucking up to fx but they have this like they apparently have this seem to have this suck away man (laughs) get your knee pads on uh they seem to have this network mandate which is just to find good Content, find good writers and just give, give them, them whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, I've heard, I've spoken to some writers who'd mentioned like that was their whole thing, like especially like five, ten years, uh, five, ten, that's a big difference, but like years ago, their whole thing was like, we won't pay very much compared right. to network, but you can basically do whatever you want. Yeah, which is the mythical Louis deal, which right. was never a real deal. That was never in his contract. Right, it was like, just, they just did that. They just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was not, there, I don't even know how you would legally put that in a contract other than like final cut, but no studio would want to give them total final cut, obviously. Yeah. Um, because you know you have to throw shit on there anyway. Yeah, cool stuff. Moving All right, on. next up, next topic. Um, sometimes, in a movie or a TV show, an actor will play a person who also exists in real life or existed in real often, life. often in TV shows. Very often these days. Increasingly often. There's a lot more. Kind of all we got right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Increasingly often, meaning all the time, all all content except Severance. I guess I don't know. I need to see Severance. Severance I heard, I heard it's very good. Great. You Severance drama? Very drama. Completely drama? Yeah. I mean, there's funny parts to it. And very like weird. Yeah. It's a very dry, weird sense of humor because it's sort of a workplace satire, but it's mostly it's like this interesting, like very high, uh, um, hard sci-fi Love like, concept. Because yeah. it has what's his nuts, who's comedy. Right. Adam Scott. Right. Although he's been moving into drama. Well, he did. Uh, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I want to say something else that I'm missing. Severance. Um, yeah, but like other than those two. Oh, Big Little Lies. Right, yeah, but other than those two. Oh, severance? Oh, but other than those two. Okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, so, but more, more. okay, actual, actual thought. I was watching, uh, I was, Jess is watching The First Lady, TV show on Showtime. Right. It's, it's like, 
every episode. So it's like four first ladies and so at once. What yeah. a what a what a premise. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, it's a Mormon gets elected president, <laughs> and there's four first ladies, and it's them competing. And the four first ladies are, you know, like the it was Michelle Obama and oh uh, shit, okay, Betty so Ford and so Eleanor Roosevelt. So a prominent Mormon, a rich Mormon, invents cloning technology and then gets elected president with four former first ladies. Yes. Yeah. Wow. On, wait, is he getting elected on the platform of I got the four hardest hidden first ladies in the game? I think. If someone ran for president with the four the four hardest hidden first ladies in the game, I think he wins in the landslide. I mean, I would vote for it just to see what happens. Exactly. Like this guy cloned four first ladies. Yeah. What else can this bad man do? Yeah. And the answer is just clone more first right. ladies. Yeah, exactly. That's his whole thing. Yeah. Um anyway, so it's like two it's it's basically a biopic about four of them at once, but like it also goes does two timelines for each of them. So there's eight timelines in every episode. It's oh, very Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh but it seems very good. Okay. But uh Something I was noticing just about the different the Michelle Obama uh, likeness is pretty good, right? They really did a lot of work to get Viola Davis to look like uh, Michelle Obama, yeah. Um, which actually brings me to a point is that there's this thing of I think there's impersonations and then there's like performances, and it's sort of a it, there's sort of two dials, right? And I think there's I just want to talk a little bit about some different examples of like you know, sometimes they just someone will sound a lot like the actual person and but it won't be like a good performance. It'll just be like an impersonation. And sometimes it's like a good performance where they look nothing like the person. Yeah. Um, I guess this is the difference between impression and impersonation. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, firstly, because you have like, uh, like Aaron Eckhart playing Gerald Ford, which okay. is kind of interesting, or like Kiefer Sutherland doing uh, Franklin Roosevelt. And he doesn't really look like Franklin Roosevelt that much, but like it's a good performance. Right. I do think it's very, and, and uh, um, I mean, Viola Davis is sort of both with her, really trying to make her look like Michelle Obama. Right. And, like, to me, I don't need them to do that much work. Like, if you just tell me Viola Davis, Michelle Obama, I'm like, fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, like, I, I know Viola Davis is a good, a good actress. I'm sure she's going to do it. I don't need, but, you know, some people really want the likeness to be, like, dead on to buy in at all. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's kind of like my argument. I'm like, that acting is not just an, impre- an, impre- an impersonation of somebody. Right. Especially, it happens a lot in biopics where people, Often there, especially when there's two competing biopics, there's often one that is the really dead-on likeness, yeah. but it's usually the less good one. Yeah, and there's the one that's more more impressionistic, and it's actually dealing with like what the how the person is as a person. Yeah, I mean the gold standard of that is the two Steve Jobs movies, right? Where Ashton Kutcher plays uh, him in just Jobs, which is I've heard not as great a movie, but Ashton Kutcher looks like fucking identical to Steve Jobs, right? So, but then you have you know. Steve Jobs with Michael Fassbender, who does not look like Steve Jobs very much, but is a much better performance because it's it's about Michael Fassbender. What it means to be Steve Jobs, right? And right. you know, it's Aaron Sorkin, it's Danny Boyle, it's all this stuff. Like, yeah, and like I don't need, like I don't need Seth Rogen to look like Steve Wozniak, right? Like, I, it's a great performance by Seth Rogen too. Yeah, yeah, um, but it sort of varies, you know. I mean, and weirdly, I think being the Ricardos is one that's trying to do both, and the more they're trying, like they're doing a lot of work to make Nicole Kidman well, look. They like, have some like crazy prosthetics on her or something. Yeah, like. and I just the performance is so good that like I just don't think they needed to do. It's a little distracting that they're because I know what Nicole Kidman looks like. Yeah, and I know it's, it's like almost insulting to Nicole Kidman that they're like we need for the audience to accept you. Your acting's not good enough. We need to have like a rubber forehead on you. <laughs> I think they should have just rolled like rolled the performance and trusted Nicole Kidman to get the audience on board because she's one of our great actresses and has been doing it for like for forever. This is kind of getting into my problem with the way our relationship with actors in television is that like there's like this just like 
such a focus on the actor and the character being like inseparable from each other. Yeah. Where it's like the fact, like, I think we should be able to recast actors more often. Yeah. And I think that the actor, like the character doesn't have to look like the person in real life. Like, yeah, but you have to like kind of train the audience to accept that because we've trained our audiences to like the actor and the character are inseparable. If you're going to like, especially like there's these like really late reboots where they'll bring back Keanu Reeves from the new matrix. And it's like, right. really, you should just recast Keanu Reeves. I know that you can't sell that movie, yeah. But if we trained our audiences to accept that, it would be better. Although, funny enough, that movie, uh, Matrix Resurrections, also has an example of like them kind of trying to do that with uh, with more uh, with both Morpheus, Morpheus and Agent Smith. And I feel like both of those like would have worked better to just found a way to get those actors. Like I think having Hugo Weaving in that role instead of Jonathan Groff, who is Jonathan Groff doing a great job, but like it's not. It didn't feel like Agent Smith, although which also could be just that that specific take on bringing the character back didn't but work. But the thing is, I think that's partly related to the way we think of actors and roles. Is because it it's because in order to allow us to recast them, we had to go through jump through all these hoops to figure out another way for them to exist in the world and look different. Like right. we had to acknowledge it looked different. And really, we should just be able to have a new actor play the role and just tell the audience, this is the same character. Just figure it out. Yeah. Like, just, just accept it. Just fuck, yeah, fuck you, buddy. And it's Jonathan the, Groff now. It's the reason why we have all these requels where they're like set in the future where the actors are old because we are not allowed to recast actors. So every single requel is about old men yeah. because we're trying to reboot the franchise, but we're not allowed to have a new actor play the character. So it has to be about old men and old men are boring. You have to imagine that the, the creators of James Bond are like so happy that they just sort of grandfathered themselves into being able to recast Bond. Right. Everything should be, every franchise should be like James Bond. Yeah. I mean, I, and I mean, especially, and you kind of see with superheroes now where like, if they're going to recast the character, they got to have a whole new continuity. I know. You know, with like with Batman or with Superman, like, Right. What if they just like showed up and you're just like it's yeah it's, it's fucking me now I'm I'm Batman I'm yeah, I'm a Pattinson yeah hello Henry Cavill and right. Gal Gadot and it's like sure audiences might like be a little confused at first but it's because we train them to not understand how this works <laughs> if you just do it a couple times they'll get it and, like people aren't that dumb that they can't understand the concept of recasting we used to do it all the time in like the 80s and especially it's not like they're going to sit down in the theater and then suddenly it's a new actor like oh what is this i didn't know that there was this robert pattinson business and they like, might do that and fuck them like <laughs> well like every all we're also plugged in and the information's out there like if they reca if they just said hey guess what we're swapping out batfleck for robert pattinson right but we're doing everything else the same that would, announcement would come like three years before anyone saw it. Like yeah. news would get out. There would be trailers. There would be posters. There would be set. Like and everyone then, will have time to just get used to it. The fact you, that you can recast shit. And then you don't have to throw out all the work you did every single time that you have to have a new actor. <laughs> like you wouldn't have to have the fifteenth time you see the Wayne Bruce Wayne's parents die because you're like, yeah, that happened to him already. It's yeah. fine. Which I, they didn't do in the new movie. I know. But, to their credit, thank thank God. And and uh, and I feel like they. I mean, just. To, well, no, we did a whole episode on Batman. I don't yeah, know we don't have to. It's, it's fine. But, Bat, but I'm glad that they didn't fucking do that because it makes every Batman just seem like so hung up on one thing that happened to him. Like it should be that that inspired him to like a broader philosophy that drives him. Not right. just like, I'm so sad my parents died 30 years ago that I'm still like messed up at, about yeah. it. And it's like, sometimes you can redo it. Like James Bond being the good, like the Daniel Craig Bonds redid it. Yeah. And it's fine, but it was the first time in like whatever, 40 years they redone it. They didn't do it every other time. They, they redid what? Bond? There's, the, there's the, Bonds. Every, like, no, 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 no. But the um, his origin story. Right, they did do. They did actually dig into like who he was and where he came from. And yeah, stuff. they had they had the origin story of Bond and Casino Royale. Yeah, like the he got his double O, you know. Yeah, 
But um, yeah, I mean, my pet, my pet argument is that Indiana Jones should be like this, where every five year, every five to ten years, we should get a new Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there were rumors that at some point they were going to, they were thinking about throwing in Dennis Quaid. Yeah, in sure. like the nineties, because uh, he kind of looks like Harrison Ford. Yeah, um, I may just be like talking about it in my ass, though. I don't know where that the information is in my brain for some reason. But they are doing a new indie. I've heard. Oh right? yeah, with uh, with Harrison God Ford. Fucking yeah. See, this is the thing, Harrison Ford. <laughs> I like I love him. He's been in, in a lot of really good movies, yeah. but I haven't liked his performances in the last you know decade or two. I think he's good. He, I think he's very good in uh, Blade Runner too. But I know that's not a movie you like as much as I do. It's not my favorite. I would rather just be another story about Blade Runners. <laughs> yeah, not Harrison Goddamn Ford. I will say they're good about only having him show up like a little bit at the end, and he kind of only has like two scenes. Yeah. Um, and they really, I think they do kind of make it about like the next generation, which I mean, which is kind of inverse to what the new Star Wars has did, which was very, everyone kind of centered the old, the right. old guard. Star Wars is the worst culprit of being just slavishly having like tied to the old canon and not being able to break out of it. Yeah. Which is a shame because I think like when they, especially when Force Awakens, there's a lot of people excited about Ray, excited about Finn, excited about Poe. They're like, okay, we don't know him super well on that, but like, let's see more of that. And then yeah. it's, they kind of. I feel like they never none of people didn't quite become attached to those characters in the same way. Yeah, and then they have to try to make them related to everybody. Right, which is yeah, that's well that's the issue with all these. Every, every you always want the reveal of actually we're all connected and I mean, you do want everything connected. And the funny thing is, Star Wars is kind of about that because the original movies do have the actually you're all connected because you're brother and sister. That right. Sort of thing. Spoilers yeah. for Star Wars. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you can spoil. Are there, are there any Star Wars spoilers we could drop that would bother people? I mean, uh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker is the latest, but I don't even know Ray, what happened. Ray is Palpatine's movie. granddaughter. Right. Yeah. Does anyone care about that? I'm just sure there's some guy who cares <laughs> and I'm coming for you, motherfucker. <laughs> it's been three years since that movie came out? I don't know. Almost two and a half. Um, I think it was the end of 2019. Sure. I, I still have not finished it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I know I, but you like it. Oh, yeah. I think... You're, I just, you're a big fan. I think... It's your favorite movie? Yeah. I, I think I liked it more than any of the other Star Wars prequel or sequels because it was kind of doing something different. I haven't sure. seen it in a while. I haven't seen it, so I can't even judge My you. My take on it is fuzzy. I remember having a thing where I liked it because it was different. I mean, this might be a hot take. I think it, I don't know. It, I think I, I think I recall having a hot take on this at some point, and it's definitely ice cold at this point. I feel like what's so interesting about the Star Wars sequels um, is that it really it, it doesn't really feel like that many people were very satisfied with them. Like whatever your take on them is, like I don't think they are as beloved as the originals, obviously. Yeah, um, but, but then if you say you don't like them, people will scream at you. I feel like it's funny that each movie has a completely different batch of of defenders and uh, detractors and people who just think it's meh. It's just like. It's not like oh one like continuous fan base anti fan base across all three movies. Right, yeah. It's like every single one they just shuffled it all around. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you want to talk about some more actors? We have a list of actors who play real life people. Oh yeah. Just, so I mean, I think the crown is kind of the gold standard of both, where they work incredibly hard to make like they talk. They must make them talk in the exact same very precise accent as all the royals, which is a very specific British accent. Right. And they put on prosthetics and they make them stand in weird ways. And like, it's like so much about the image, but also the performances are like incredible. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me of the problem of forcing actors to do accents when mm-hmm. they're not good at accents. Yeah. Like, um, oh, there was an example of one of those recently where like someone had an American accent and we're just like, why didn't he just, in the movie, like, why isn't he just British? Right. Um, <sighs> I think the, the one, the one I was thinking of was the opposite. It was Scarlett Johansson having her weird British accent, even though she's German in, you know, she's Jojo. Oh, yes. 
Doesn't she have like a British accent? She or has something? a German accent. She has a German accent. She's she trying has... to do a German accent. Okay, well, it doesn't. It's not good. <laughs> I, I liked her German accent. In that. I love Scarlett Johansson. Think she's a really good actor. I think it would have been fine if she had just kept her normal accent, and it probably would have been slightly better. Right. I mean, like everyone in that movie is doing like a particularly jokey German accent. Which, yeah. Honestly, I think that's a thing that people used to do. That I think we should. One, I think we could just go back to no accents. Like, yeah. have you ever seen Paz of Glory? No. That movie takes place in France. All the characters are French. They all talk in whatever fucking accent they happen to have yeah. as actors. Let's like, George McCready's got his British accent. Kirk Douglas just is Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Like, it's just, who, here's who we got. And you're just like, they're like, this is the worst thing I've seen in France ever. And you're like, God damn, Kirk Douglas, you're right. I believe you. Yeah, it's like um, Death of Stalin. Oh, Death of Stalin. Is, yeah. I mean, I feel like that one, they, they play it up for like comedy's yeah. sake. Yeah. And the other one is the uh, Sean Connery one. Oh, uh, Hunt for October, yeah. right? Where he's a he's a, a Russian general with like a deep Scottish accent, yeah, yeah. right? Because Sean Connery presumably was just like, "Fuck you, I'm Scottish, I'm not doing this." Yeah, like this is my brand. Yeah, <laughs> like people don't go to see a Sean Connery movie to see me try and do Russian. Yeah, uh, but I do also like the thing where like you make them do an accent in the place, that, like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. We have yeah. like American British actors doing just speaking in English with Swedish accents in Sweden. Yes. Just and like it kind of works. I, mean, I think it's yeah. like it, it's like we said, if you teach the audience that this is how it works, yeah, they'll buy in if they want to like the movie. Yeah. And they want to like the movie. Yeah. Uh the the one I find really funny is although maybe it's just because a lot of the is like if it's set in like ancient Rome and they all have British accents because oh, British accents yeah. are just kind of foreign. Yeah. I mean, they do that with Game of Thrones too, where they make everyone have the, the British accents. Yeah. Even though it's just Although like, it is like essentially a British right, show. They're trying to make it. Yeah. They, they're like based on some British history, like very, 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 very. Recently. Well, and also I think a lot of that, most of the actors are British in Game of Thrones, right? So it's like many the one, of them are. Yeah. But, not, but like Tyrion's not, uh, Aiden Gillen's not, or maybe Aiden, Aiden Gillen is. I think he's Scottish. Yeah, you yeah, sure. But like enough. they're making him do a British accent, and it's like slightly different. Yeah. Or English accent. Yes. Yeah. Scotland is part of Great Britain, right? right. Yeah. So, I, I, Scottish accent, this wrong, a right? Scottish accent is a British accent. Are we sure it's not the opposite? No, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 Great Britain is the whole Yeah. And then there's England. England, England Scotland, Wales. And 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 Ireland. Northern, Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Yeah. Specifically. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ireland. Don't 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 add us, Ireland. <laughs> don't add us entire nation of Ireland. Don't we might have to bleep that. <laughs> I'll bleep out that last one. It's okay. fine. I'll just cut it out. It'll be fine. It'll be hilarious, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but... I, <laughs> uh, but what I was saying is that because in, in Game of Thrones, most of the actors are British, so the few outliers are like, you're going to have to just fit yeah, in with the sorry, rest, guys. buddy. Yeah. I mean, I think Amelia Clark is... Is she American? I feel like she's, she's British. Is she? Yeah. Is there all... See, they're mostly British. Yeah. It's really just Peter Dinklage is the outlier, and they make him do a British I accent. I think there's like one or two other ones in there that are like surprising, but I think you're right. I think like I know like like Ian Glenn and and uh, Lena Headey and and although Nikolai Costarwaldo is Danish, right? Yeah. But also, that's the other thing. I think there's a lot of sweet like Scandinavians. But well, because they, they need all those blondies, right? Yeah. But their English speaking is closer to British accents anyway, because like that's where they'd get like speak English mostly, like British people. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the TV they learn is like British. Yeah. I don't uh, know. What an intro! Like, wouldn't it be so funny if it was like a spaghetti western where everyone just spoke in whatever accent? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I like. I think, and I think if you just talk, like, especially something like Game of Thrones, it just sort of like makes up its own rules. Yeah, people would just be down. I well, don't actually, know. Spaghetti westerns is even funnier because then, like, the really, the really spaghetti westerns, they would just speak in whatever language they spoke, and they just, and dub, then it they would just dub it over in English. Right, exactly. Like you had that with, uh, I mean, all like yeah, all the, the original great. Django is like that. Yeah, and oh, funny enough, you have like. Um, um, the highbrow version of that is Fellini movies. Yeah. Fellini, I think for most, if not all of his career, wouldn't record... Uh, um, no sound? Wouldn't record sound. That's hilarious. On set, because he just like wanted to... Uh, 
I mean, one I, I think it was just like de rigueur in Italy in general, not ju- just for not just for like spaghetti westerns, just in general, okay, yeah. to, and just dub it over later. But also, he, in theory, he said like he didn't want people to like, worry about that, and he wanted to just like play carnival music and like have people worry about the like uh, physicality of it. Yeah, and then he yeah just have them dub it over. So even movies where they're all Italian, they're not recording the audio and they're just dubbing it over after. Um, it was just the only one you notice is if it's it's uh, Anthony Quinn is in La Strada. He's the only American in that, and it's yeah. like very obvious. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> you train the audience to accept it, and, and they're they good do. movies. Yeah. It helps if you're also like our, you know, Federico Fellini or Sergio Leone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it helps to make good movies. Yeah. But, um, um, what we have Capote. I mean, Capote is like a pretty good likeness. Yeah, I think that that one's also both. I mean, the Dropout. I think. Um, in, she's trying to do a very. She's definitely doing Elizabeth Holmes, doing the voice, right? And she's also doing she like the kind of look the, like Elizabeth Holmes. They're, they're trying to though. They they. She's like sticking her lip out, like kind of like she did, yeah. and like with getting the hair, and like they're they're really trying to get the likeness. Um, although none of the other people, I think, are like I don't know that Stephen Fry looks a lot like Ian Gibbons or or any of those. Oh, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the actor they got to play Sunny does not look a lot like Sunny, but it's a good performance. Yeah, um, I Tanya feels like the the example of the weirdest example because. You know, the whole thing is that like Tanya Harding was like kind of like frumpy and not good looking. She was like, kind of like angry about that. And that was sort of like a thing. Like yeah. she, like her like her mother, I think, in the early scenes of that movie is like saying like ripping on her for not being pretty enough. <laughs> and it's like Margot Robbie. Yeah. And they're like, like trying to like, give her braces and stuff. And like, I know that's Margot Robbie. It's like in Glow and they keep on yelling at Alison Brie for not being attractive. And right. Like, that's miscast. Yeah. Although I, I mean, think Margot Robbie is like absolutely incredible. In that yeah. Movie. No, she's good. I mean, that's the power of acting is that you can believe Margot Robbie is not good looking. <laughs> if everyone acts like it is like it. To teach the, I guess teach that's the that, audience. Yeah. That's our thesis. That's what we've, we've derived here is yeah. that. Just pick a lane and just teach the audience that it's okay, and don't worry about getting sweating the details if that if that's kind of like getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, although we're the Game of Thrones, they realized that because they tried to do the um, the eyes, like the the contacts. It's like in the book, they're all like certain characters have oh, purple, yeah, the purple eye. eyes. Yeah. And they realized the actors were like they was like not pleasant to have in for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. So they were just like fuck it, let's just like and they they do that with the hair too. All the blonde characters sort of become brunettes later on just because they're like, yeah Peter Dinklage and. Like and everyone's just like, fine, sure, whatever. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's a couple screaming nerds who are upset about it, but you know what? They weren't going to like a lot. They were going to like something else. And I think by the time we got to that, there was like other stuff to complain about. Right. Like yeah. other, like season six and seven, I think like, you know, there's other stuff yeah. going on that people were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's a funny example that we actually didn't think about in the pre record? What? SNL. Oh, yeah. Because especially I think of Jay Farrow, because mm-hmm. Jay Farrow has a perfect Obama impression. Right. That he. I think you can watch it. There's like videos on YouTube of his Obama impression. It is a perfect impersonation. Yeah. And then for SNL, that gets kind of SNLified and it gets very abstracted to be goofier. Right. So weirdly, his Obama on SNL is not as dead on of a likeness as he is capable of. It's kind of heightened for SNL. Right. And then you have stuff like, like I, I know they have um, um, one of the new guys playing Biden right now. Yeah. But like, they used to have Jason Sudeikis playing Biden during right. the Obama years. Yeah, and like they yeah, was nothing like him. Right, it wasn't trying to be. This is what Biden's actually like. It was just sort of like him. They picked like a, a an aspect of his character they wanted to lampoon, and they just leaned into that. Yeah, and which is most good. Imp- yeah, most good impression is like you find the one thing. Right. Actually, I really the weird like the really good kind of um, uh, like platonic, whatever. Or the, did, your example. It, the two the two Trumps. Oh yes, it's like the perfect test case for how two impressions can how their impression versus impersonation. Because yeah. there's the new guy, I forget his name, the same guy who's doing Biden actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got we got to look at it. We can't just kill him the new guy. Hold, on. keep going. I'll look yeah, it. he has an impression of Trump that is 
much more of an impersonation. It's not perfect because it is uh, James Austin Johnson. Right, he's great. He has a very good Trump impression. Yeah, and um, it is still a little. It's very. It's still heightened because he's ta- he's basically picking up on a couple things that Trump does. Yeah, he, the uh, rambly nature. I think he gets very well. Yeah, and the way he that kind of nasal voice he has. Mm-hmm. But the the Alec Baldwin Trump is way less dead on. It's mm-hmm. it's more of like he's doing a lot of stuff with his lips. He's trying to be more like more like buffoonish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which but gets, I mean, I think by the end of the Trump administration, I, I was getting a little sick of that impersonation. But yeah, like, it's it was a, good. It's a good take. Yeah, and yeah. is yeah, he was trying less to do the voice than the cadence of his speech. And yeah. then uh, the guy who you said, James Austin Johnson. James Austin God, Johnson. I, I think I forgot. Hold on, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> James Earl Jones. James Earl, man, he'd do an interesting. James Austin Johnson. Yeah, James Austin Johnson is better at doing the actual way his voice sounds, and yeah. also the cadence. Yeah, although I'm glad that they've stopped just doing Trump in general right now. I mean, they're doing yeah. more Biden. I mean, I, I am annoyed that SNL starts every episode with a 10 minute political sketch in general. Cause yeah. like you don't always have 10 minutes of political shit to say. Can't yeah. you just- and I also, I never found SNL to be like that successful at political commentary. Oh, yeah. maybe I mean, it, the, the Palin I, stuff was all pretty great. The Palin stuff was really, yeah. Okay. Sorry. There was like a time period when Tina Fey was like the head writer where they were doing really good political stuff. Yeah. But that was kind of an outlier in the history of SNL to me. Yeah. I think they're often better at, being sillier i i agree i mean i think yeah i mean also like i don't really want to i'm over politic as it is like i'm trying to stay plugged into the event but i'm trying not to like follow every like minute micro trend of what's going on politically yeah. i think we're all kind of exhausted anyway yeah um oh any other examples i wanted to on the list there's just a couple more but i don't think i think they kind of cover the same ground yeah yeah and we, we i mean obviously spent a whole episode talking about bohemian rhapsody yeah. ray and walk the line i think are both like i think ray is trying to be more impersonation uh, although it's still, I think, an incredible performance. Yeah. Whereas I think Walk the Line is not trying, not trying as hard to get the exact image of Johnny Cash right, but it's good performance. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then I guess I don't know. People versus OJ. That's kind of that's one where I feel like they do a little bit to they do like a little bit to convince you that it's the real people, but then they're mostly just kind of letting like like they got John Travolta in, and they're right. like, all right, let's give him a little bit of the makeup that the real guy used to wear, but it's mostly just Travolta. Yeah, that one's funny because I was kind of too young to. I'm I, at the time I was too young to really have memories of what those people were like. So yeah. for me, they're all essentially new characters. Yeah, I mean, I think the big one was that um, Cuba looks nothing like OJ. Right. Yeah. Um, and because OJ is a much larger man. Yes, OJ was a professional running back in the NFL. Yeah. Who was like very, known for being very big and very good, and yeah. also was like. I mean, not that Cuba Gooding is not a good-looking man because he is, but like OJ's whole thing was that he was like the most like like square-jawed, like all-American like an hero. Adonis. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was his whole thing, mm-hmm. and like Cuba is not that energy. But they did try. I think they were trying to really tap into that specific sense of like a like a grievness that right. OJ had. Yeah, which I think Cuba was good at like hitting. Yeah, I mean uh, Cuba was good in it. Yeah, no, it's good performance, good it, show. Yeah, great, looked, great show. Yeah, really good show. Yeah, didn't was Cuba a football guy in um, Jerry Maguire? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a receiver, I think. Sure. I don't know. I honestly have not seen all of Jerry Maguire ever. Uh, I've seen like the last like 20 minutes. So I saw like most of like the big stuff. Yeah, I saw it so long ago. I might as well have not seen it. It's funny because I all I know that he's like a, a sports agent who gets in trouble and he's got to help like Cuba get money. Right. And I also know there's this big romantic thing with the like you complete me. You had me at hello stuff. Yes. And I don't actually know how those two stories connect. As far as I know, it's just like he's doing this agent stuff. and He's like, oh, also, I'm falling in love with Renee Zellweger think, yeah, on the left. Maybe she's like his publicist or something. She might also would, be another person. That I think works maybe for him. she works for him. Like she's he's she's her, she's her as like like co agent, oh assistant, I don't know. 
This is where we're going to derive the plot of, <laughs> of Jerry, Jerry Maguire, Maguire without knowing what it is. We're just going to try to, by sheer force of logic, figure out what it should be. Is there, I, can I just, it's very cool that there's like a movie that's just the name of a man who doesn't exist as if we're supposed to know who that is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this Sunday, Jerry Maguire, like, is that a person? I think was, I know yeah. That, I think that used to be a thing, but it's yeah, really like not. The anymore. legend of Bagger Vance. Right. Exactly. Who is that? A legend. The legend. And I'm supposed to know who that is. He's a legend. Bagger Vance. Yeah. That's his name. <laughs> or is he someone who bags? It's, yeah. Bagger Vance. <laughs> I hardly know her, Vance. Uh, yeah, shit, I guess. Mom um, shows and dad movies. Mom shows and dad movies. Um, Explain. This what is a mom show and a dad movie. I would just think about this. Um, I don't know. I was just texting my mom about like some shows she was watching, and like yeah. it just occurs to me that we've we've there's just has become these two like th- like everyone's mom watches like sp- like murder mysteries set in small towns, usually British, often Scandinavian. Yeah, and like everyone's dad. We've talked about dad movies in the podcast. Yeah, a dad lot. movies. We talk about, talk about movies in general. But really, just, yeah. Let's talk about mom shows because. <laughs> My my mom. We were talking about this earlier. My mom really likes kind of obscure British shows like Channel Four, BBC yeah. stuff, and also the Scandinavian murder stuff. Which also my aunt really likes. Really likes the books, like the Harry Hole books, and the, yeah, which was a movie, The Snowman, right? Yeah, which is I think known for not being. Yeah, because I think um, they cut like fifteen to twenty percent of the movie at the last second. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Thomas Alfredson said, yeah, that they they cut the budget at the last minute, so they just couldn't film like twenty pages. Yeah, uh, which is fucking wild how that happened they should just not film the movie like what do you how do i don't know whatever yeah, it's fine. i think weird financiers these things happen yeah i think it's that thing where it's just like well we got it we gotta we gotta strike we gotta make hot. some money off of it yeah it's like too late they like already have like down like deposits on the locations and shit oh is before they started filming right yeah it was oh. literally like right as they were about to start filming they were like actually we're only going to give you like three million instead of five million. Oh, and the AD is just like fuck, 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 fuck. Right, and they're just like, I guess we can't. We we couldn't even figure out a way to cut them a budget. They're just like, I guess we can't film twenty pages of yeah. this like one hundred twenty page pitch. Oh, I thought it was in the edit. That's really insane. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 absolutely crazy. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, my mom exact same shows. Um, the British shows, the murder mysteries, the Scandinavian murder mysteries. Yeah. I feel like they're like discovering new areas of Scandinavia I've never heard of before. <laughs> Every Any week. of it? Every week, my, you know, it's like first, like, yeah, I'm watching a show from Sweden, watching a show from Denmark. Oh, new Watching Swedish. a show from Finland, watching a show from Schmirkeland. You know, it just that like, might be around. That might be a thing. <laughs> might be a real thing. Yeah. Watching a show from a small inlet in the Faroe Islands. Yeah. <laughs> from Greenland. There's people there. <laughs> There's kind they, of like, they I have mean, a government. I think. Is Greenland its own country? I think it's owned by Denmark. Really? Yes, because if I remember correctly, Trump wanted to buy Greenland from Denmark, and he just kind of put that out there, and Denmark kind of was going to visit, like, for, like, a a state trip that had been planned for, like, months, and then, like, Denmark kind of, like, laughed at him, so Trump got mad and, like, canceled the visit, because he couldn't buy Greenland. That's so stupid. Yeah. That's really funny. Like, what is the, why would we need Greenland? There's nothing there. I guess because, I mean, why do we need Alaska? (laughs) Fuck you, Alaska. Well, remember when we did buy Alaska, it was called Seward's Folly. Like everyone ripped on the guy who bought Alaska. Yeah. It's like, why do we want Alaska? And then it turned out great because there's oil there, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Maybe there's oil in Greenland. Maybe they just haven't been Someone looking. Someone would have found it by I don't now. Know. Maybe they just didn't think to look. Why would there be oil in? Maybe I don't know. I don't know how oil works. Maybe there's something else that we don't even know is valuable yet. Green, green. <laughs> That's why they call it Greenland. Yeah, because there's green there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, it's just kind of funny. Like everyone's mom watches the same shit. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's dad watches the same shit. Is that a universal mom thing? Because like my my mom's my grandparents are British, so I think I always thought of that as like part of 
my mom, mom I mean, while we can talk about this later, yeah. I can ask you why you like British shows so much. I mean, but. the sample size of two of our, both our moms yeah. is 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, <laughs> we are completely validated in this take. Yeah. by just our moms. I That's feel a like significant sample size is like two is uh, all of America, right? Right. Yeah, you get one, and then you're like, well, let me, let me check one more just to be sure. No, okay, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like your mom thing. I mean, the dad movies is a big thing. That's big bin a thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like a definite. We have a large sample size, right? Yeah, you got you know the heat. entire network of TNT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your Field of Dreams, your your U five seven one. A lot of submarine movies, weirdly. Uh, Hunt for October. <laughs> that's the other one. Just name it. Uh, the Life Aquatic. The Life Aqu- I, I don't, don't think, think so. that's, I don't a, think that's movie. a dad movie, but it's got a submarine in it, so yeah. it should be. Yeah, you know, I bet if I watched the movie, with my dad he would. Oh shit! I did watch the movie with my dad. Wow! I forgot. I know. I because I was into Bill Murray and me were like, "Oh, is this goofy?" Because we saw the trailer for Life Aquatic. It's a lot of like the claymation animals yeah. and just Bill Murray being goofy. And we're like, "Oh, it's a Bill Murray comedy. Let's go see it." Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and I didn't even know who Wes Anderson was when I saw it. No. Or if I did, I was like vaguely aware of them. Had you seen another Wes Anderson movie? I hadn't. I did have a friend of mine who was very into Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, okay. Um, Smart friend who wasn't really. He's not really a film guy, but like for whatever reason, I guess he saw that movie young huh. and thought it was really interesting. That's interesting because I feel I think of Wes Anderson as like a film guy person. Yeah, I think it just was a thing. Like, his parents used to take him to R.E.D. movies because like he wanted to go to the movies and they just you always need that friend, right? Exactly. So like I think he just saw Royal Tenenbaums like young, like when it came out, he would have been like eight. Is that R.E.D.ed? Yeah, yeah. There's nudity in it. There is. Yeah, and like the flashback where it's like Margot doing a bunch of stuff. She's naked. There's like a naked woman in the background, I believe. Oh, yeah. oh, like in the background of like the reggae album or something. It's no, it's like a lot. It's like she's posing or something. Oh, I'm trying to like. Literally, I just remember because my friend was always bragging that he saw boobs in the theater. That's what he's talking about. That's funny. I don't. Even, I don't. Don't remember. I don't think it's a major part. It's just sort of like in Life Aquatic. There's like the naked girl like there for like a flag, like, just as like a joke. Yeah. Well, they're like showing all the people doing one of them just like topless for no reason. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's all a bit. It's all a bit. Uh, what are we talking? Uh, Mob shows, dad movies, submarines, yeah. submarines. I think we might have exhausted the. <laughs> I don't know. Mom it's shows are a thing, and we need to recognize it. Yeah, mom shows are a thing, and I, you know, if I had more time to watch shows, I would, I would check out like Borgen or Happy Valley or uh, um, um, I don't know more of these other shows. Yeah, I guess they're mostly because mer- there are some. Well, the funny thing is, like every American show was a British show at one point. Yeah, so sh- they should be on the bleeding edge of television <laughs> by virtue of watching all the Channel Four shows. Yeah, but they're all. It, it, it seems to be specifically murder mysteries is a big. Yeah, mom show. My favorite thing is when like mom will come to me and be like, "Oh, I'm watching you know, you know this murder mystery." Wait, your mom or my mom? Eddie, I assume your mom does this too, and like just <laughs> and we'll say like, "You know, I'm watching this murder mysteries." If you say mom, I don't know who it's which mom starring, is. and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's starring," and then you'll find it's like starring like someone who had a bit role in like Game of Thrones, usually specifically. Yeah, and you find out like all the like people who had like two lines in Game of Thrones actually anchored like a five season television <laughs> show about murder mysteries. Yeah, it's always about them returning to their small English village, and there's a murder there. A hundred percent, all of it. Yeah. That's like I thought Mayor of Easttown was a British show. Oh, just because, because it's it Kate Winslet and going back to a small town. I yeah. just assumed it was like a Channel Four show. And the title sounds a little bit of fancy fancy. Mayor of Easttown. It sounds a little Britishy, but yeah. it's just that's just her name, right? Her name is Mayor. Yes, I thought. Also, at first thought, she was the mayor of Easttown. Mayor of Easttown. Yes, I thought. Yeah. I thought she ran for office in Easttown. And well, there I was. was like, oh, she's a horse. I think there's, there's the mayor of Kingstown and mayor of Easttown are two different shows. Oh, I, didn't, I never even heard of Kingstown. It's, uh, uh, I think it's on Paramount. It's Jeremy Renner. Oh, cool. He's like the mayor of a of King, Kingston. Yeah. Kingston? I don't know. It's something like that. Kingstown? It actually does look like it's a pretty solid show. I just, 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 the Kingston, Jamaica? The mayor is not, Jeremy Renner? <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, mayor of Kingstown. I think it's like there's like a prison there. And oh. like that's a big deal. Oh, wait. Now I actually might know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's like the mayor of this place and... 
and there's like a big prison there and like that's a big deal yeah okay i've seen a poster for this that's yeah all I, I think i saw an ad for it in like in a theater i remember being like why it's interesting they're advertising this in a movie theater yeah yeah um uh coachella recap it was good sure, yeah we i was exhausting my back my back and my feet hurt <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I was always I feel like there's always this dig against Coachella crowd. This is such a late recap. It's I know been like it's been a month. Yeah. <laughs> On our last episode, somebody roasted us for going to Coachella and we didn't talk about it then. Well, we were going to and we just ran out of time. Um anyway, Coachella's good. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I understand there's always the rip like that, like, oh, the crowds for the headliners at Coachella always suck. And like that's because we've been on our feet for ten fucking well, hours. Well, I will say, not just the headliners, a lot of the crowds at Coachella were maybe the worst crowds for I've ever been a part of for a music performance. Yeah. I multiple mean, times. It always like kind of depends because you have a weird thing that like you, it's such an eclectic blend of bands at Coachella that like you and it's you might end up such an eclectic up, blend of twenty three year olds wearing a mesh bodysuit <laughs> and a swimsuit, right? So like you might a lot of uh, uh, a given audience might not be like the like you know like if you're seeing just like like a reggae band for example you might end up with like forty percent people who are just like hey, I guess I'll check this out and on forty percent people who actually like it and twenty percent of just like people who aren't won't like it at all yeah but then they do that for the headliner which is weird the, the headliners I think it's headliners that, where everyone shows up right and especially people who show up super late so you end up with like scenesters and you end up with like a bunch of kids people who are crashing on like whatever drugs they've been doing yeah people who are like us who are just dehydrated yeah <laughs> who are just old and, and tired old and in pain and have bad backs and shit. Uh, so it's, you know, it's like for Billy Eilish, you, you were talking about how you were in not oh, such a great. I would, crowd. okay. So I actually got pretty close up to the front for yeah. Billy Eilish. Uh, so there's like the main stage, and they have like multiple catwalks that the artists can come out and kind of be part of the crowd. Yeah. So I was in front of the, I was like 20 feet away from the first catwalk, which is where she first popped up. So right. I was really close to her at first. Yeah. And the crowd was just standing stock still, quietly singing along with the <laughs> with the lyrics. And it was for like Crown, uh, you should see Gene me in a crown, crown, which like yeah. there should be a pit going for that song. That song yeah. is a banger. It's yeah. great. I like Billie Eilish. But these these like kids is all, I don't know, they're kids yeah. compared to me. Yeah. They all they were just not like, there was even at one point where Billie Eilish, she wanted to do the kind of like a crowd participation thing where she's yeah. like, okay, we're all going to get down on the ground and at the same time we're going to jump up. Right. And she told us to get down and there's this one dude in front of me who just, just wouldn't do it. He was just filming on his phone yeah. and standing up and I just yelled at him. I was like, get on the ground. <laughs> and then the girl next to me kind of like gave me a look like, why are you being loud at a concert? <laughs> why are you being loud at a concert? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I was it, the only one dancing. Yeah, I was I really mean, confused. So my thing with Billy was like, I started out in uh, a not a great crowd, like literally, because I was further back because I showed up a little late. I think I was seeing... Um, I think it was Stromae. It was like over uh, yeah, a little I bit. Seen that, that was a great show. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was in that crowd was like nothing. It was just like <laughs> a bunch of like early 20 year olds just sort of like swaying a little bit and one person bobbing their head. So then like, yeah, I tried moving closer and then it was like even worse. Yeah. But like more, more constraint. Yeah. Uh, and then she did the thing where she disappeared and like appeared in like that crane in the middle. Yeah. And then everyone rushed to that. And that just seemed to shake up everything. In the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the rest of the show, I had like a, a pretty solid group of people. I was like, there's like, you know, surrounded by 30 people, I'd say 15 of them were really like jumping and vibing. And yeah. some, like everything went up like half a tier in terms of engagement. And I was like, all right, I can roll with this for like that's fun. minutes. Yeah. Weirdly for me, this is going to be the most old man complaining <laughs> I'm going to get. But it seemed like the younger the crowd was, the less into dancing yeah. and being an active part of the audience they were. I did notice that because like Arcade Fire, which is going to all be like thirty year olds, pl- yeah. thirty plus, it was a great they crowd. were super into it. Yeah. Crowd loved all the songs, knew them all, and obviously like that band has been around for a long time, has dedicated following. Yeah, but and like Run the Jewels, kind of same way, but it kind of felt like an older crowd. Yeah, actually like doing, having a pit, actually yeah. being into it. But weirdly, it was like 
Vince Staples was super lackluster for us. Very, very, very relaxed. Like mostly, like, yeah, Vince Staples too, like chill, but like high energy. Yeah. And uh, Gex was the big one. That like Gex was weird. Because like that, I love 100 Gex. Yeah. Where they have the most absolutely batshit wild mosher face off energy of like anyone right now. Yeah. And we were just like, I don't know. I remember there's like a bunch of like kids near us. Like there must be like 18 tops. And they were just sort of like, we love Gex. Let's go. Because they were delayed. And yeah. then they like, as soon as they started, they just like left. Yeah. And they didn't dance into anything. It was weird. Maybe it's like you're still Maybe, at the age where you're kind of embarrassed to look silly in front yeah. of other people. This I all, don't know. This is all a little bit of old man yells at cloud. I'm personally going to acknowledge we're being just grumpy old men right now. Yeah, I gave a disclaimer at the top. This is the most old man complaint I'm going to be. But for some reason, the young people didn't want to dance. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll be the asshole here. But it feels like the inverse. I think normally it's just like, yeah. I'm trying to enjoy the concert. Why are you young yeah, you think dancing? it'd be like me yelling about somebody stepped on my foot when they were dancing. Right. It's like, no, please step, like, step on my foot. Like, let's yeah, I wore shitty energy. shoes for this. Reason. Because I thought you would be stepping on my feet. I will say, I think if you got directly like ten feet away from the artist, there would be a good crowd there. But yeah. you got it. That's pretty That's hard the, to get to. And also, sometimes that cannot be great because then you get people who just want to say they were at the front and right. like, don't want to move and lose their spot. So it's like maybe you got to be like like not front row, but like just back from that. Yeah, yeah. Or like yeah, hulking guy who's like <laughs> holding his girlfriend and will not move. <laughs> right, and then just like you know, that just breaks everything for like ten feet around him because no one wants to hit yeah. that guy. Yeah, no, it was it was wild. Uh, we had some good pits though. We had some good good. I oh mean, yeah, run the jewels is great. Denzel Mid- Curry, mid level rap was where it was at for oh, the for yeah. the pit. Denzel Curry was, was the wild. best show of Coachella. It was goddamn wild. He came out and said that's what he was gonna do, and that's what he fucking, he fucking he, delivered. He only actually he only said he was gonna be the best show that night, but yeah. he delivered the best show the whole weekend. Yeah, it was for sure, absolutely. Wild. And the other best part was when he's like. Hey guys, I have a guest. Everyone's like, yeah. They're like, like, you think it's gonna yeah. be like another rapper like feature He's on the song? Like, Do you guys like glass animals? We're like, yeah. What? Do you? <laughs> Yeah, I guess they have a song together. Yeah, he's just, yeah he's featured on the Glass Animals song. It's not a Denzel Curry song. And the Glass uh, Animals comes out, and it just shit went wild. It yeah. was great. <laughs> that was such a good show. Oh man, his DJ was in a full sized X wing. Yeah, which is awesome. I think he has a song, like an album called X wing. Yeah, he does. Like, okay, there you go. Yeah, he has a song. And then at one point, yeah, for like the Glass Animals song, Tokyo Drifting, mm-hmm. uh, Denzel comes down into like that little security gap between the stage and the pit. And he's yeah. like rapping directly to the audience in the pit and yeah. they're all like reaching out to him. And then Glass, and we're next to that and you just look up and Glass Animals is like just going up top, off. singing down to us, dancing like a motherfucker. It was, <laughs> oh, it was wild. Great. Yeah. Incredible show. If you ever get a chance to see Denzel Curry, I think he's on tour right now. Like, yeah. That dude is such a talent. Yeah. He's unreal. He's great. Um, and yeah, Coachella, successful Coachella. We did it. We did I, it. I may never do it again. <laughs> I think I want to go next year. I'm going to try and make it more of a regular thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see how I feel. We'll talk about it. Next it time. also wrecked me like physically and emotionally because we just had so much other shit going on that month. Yeah, it was. Well, there's all those weddings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of weddings and stuff. And like, yeah, we had the Charlie concert. And yeah. Had, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a busy, busy month. Busy, busy, busy. Still month. recovering. Uh, yeah, maybe next year we won't have as many. And many things to do. I don't know. Who cares? Know. It'll be fine. Maybe I think all of our friends will be married by then. I we don't have a lot of friends, and they're all almost <laughs> all married. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. If it, it, it's we're, we're going to talk for like an hour, right? Yeah, we're good. All right, cool. Let's do some wrecks and let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Coover. Recommend uh, a thing. The band Muna. Okay. M U N A. I uh, was recommended them by a friend because I like Heim, and we went to a Heim show together, mm-hmm. and uh, they're really good girl band. Uh, if you want to check out a song of theirs, number one fan is my favorite song of theirs. They're really good. Great. Kind of the same vibe as like, if you like, if you like Sky Ferreira, if you like Haim, you're going to like Muna. That's, uh, also actually, I don't think the name sounds familiar, but I, I cannot say I know him. So I'll check him out. Yeah. Um, my thing's also a music thing. 
Uh, it's a, a YouTube channel called uh, Mr. Suicide Sheep. You ever heard of them? Yeah. I posted about it. I them. thought you were going to do a lo-fi, lo-fi, lo-fi hip-hop, hip-hop beats to, to, to vibe and chill too. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I'm, no, no, no. So yeah. Mr. Suicide Sheep, they, uh, they've they been around for a while and they just sort of like repost like... Um, they just take like electronic music that they like and put it like some cool, uh, some cool like um, spec artwork, some cool like sci-fi artwork usually, nice. uh, and just kind of a lot. It's a lot of it's promoting artists who maybe aren't as big, but sometimes artists who are, uh, and they're usually not. It's not very like uns unsy music. It's a lot more like melodic or like uh, um, a lot more like atmospheric stuff, uh, which I really vibe with. Um, so I found I've discovered a lot of cool music there. Um, and they recently, for their 10 year anniversary, released like a vinyl of like oh. 17 of their um, like most listened to like songs they feel like were a big part of having on the channel that like really grew them a little bit. There were big hits that like they had, that they like reached out to me. So like Elenium's on there, like uh, Adventure Club's on there. And it actually, the vinyl itself is like a really high quality. It's very cool stuff. And it comes with a giant booklet listing all the songs and with each one is like a note from the artist, the DJ itself commenting on the song itself, how they wrote it. And like, and like also about like what it meant being featured on the channel was how it like, you know, increased their like reach a little bit and like how, like what a big thing it was to be a part of this. And and it's all very like, it's all very sweet. No, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of like finding, finding music that is actually like curated by other people is really nice because yeah. When you get stuck in the rut of kind of looking, finding stuff off of Spotify Rex, you yeah. end up with very similar stuff just because of the way that, you know, like search algorithms work. Yeah. And it kind of like makes me miss back in the day when I used to like comb like music blogs and it was actually like made by people and it helped you find music that would be similar to what you liked, but not exactly some lateral thinking happening. Right. Which like, it's not really Spotify's fault. It's just that a machine can't really do lateral thinking. Right. Exactly. It, yeah. It's with the whole thing in general that algorithms push you down very specific things. You know, it's yeah. the, um, Martin Scorsese actually wrote a whole like article about this, about, you know, how like, you know, you used to have curation in like video stores, like, the guy at the video store would recommend yeah. shit or people, or like people would program at repertory theaters. And instead, um, now it's just like, because the algorithms, it's very hard for you to just find new things that you might really vibe with. Yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah. the best, I mean, the, my, my best period of finding new music was just like when I had like my set of like a couple friends in college who we all kind of liked, there was like a range of music that we liked and we'd all recommend music to each other and just like a oh, great yeah. way to find stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Human beings who tell yeah. you about things is good. I mean, I normally, I hate humans, but in this specific context, they're good. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, whatever humans behind Mr. Suicide Sheep is doing a great job. Oh, it's really... probably, it's a sheep actually. Oh, I don't think it's a sheep. Oh. I think I think his last name is Suicide Sheep. It's for Mister. Oh, it's Mr. like Mister Anton Suicide Sheep. <laughs> I was gonna go with Dave, but I like Anton. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, yeah. On that note, um, if you're listening, yeah, if you're should, still here, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you for listening to the end of the episode. That we're not talking about specific movies. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating. Drop review, a review if you can. Subscribe. Subscribe if you aren't already. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. HBLB yep. Podcast for both. Yep. If you see something we like, go ahead and share it. If you think you have a friend, if you think you have a friend, if you have a friend who you think might enjoy the pod, yeah, give it a rec. If you have any recommendations for either movies, themes, or movie and theme pairs, go ahead and DM us on Instagram. We'll we won't we're not promising we'll do it, but we'll definitely take a look and consider it. Yeah, we're always looking for new things to do. We've got some cool stuff on deck, but we've also uh, are happy to change things up a little bit for you guys. Yeah. And on that note, goodbye goodbye forever. forever.